this morning, church. Man, good morning. Good morning to be together with you. I'm so glad for all of you that are here uh, worshiping with us in person. We know we got a lot of folks that are joining us online, some folks that are already out there on vacation and enjoying a fall break. But uh, either way, no matter for whatever reason you're joining us from home, we're glad you're there. And again, glad all of you are here to worship and to wrap up this series on prayer. Today we are talking about being intentional prayers that pray with a persevering spirit. We want to be persevering in our prayer because sometimes persistence pays off. I read a true story this past week, true story. You guys know how much junk mail you get, right? And how much mail you get from the junk mail that is trying to get you to subscribe to a magazine, right? Like you get, you get a lot of that mail, a lot of junk mail, but you have never gotten the amount of mail this dude got in Colorado. Lives out, he's a rancher that lives out in Colorado. True story, this company in Chicago had a computer malfunction and they sent this guy 9,753 reminders, separate pieces of a reminder for him that his National Geographic subscription was about to expire. He wasn't gonna resubscribe to this, y'all, but he got almost 10,000 pieces of mail about this subscription that was expiring. So he drove the 10 miles to the post office, wrote the check and left a note and said, I give up, you win, send me your magazine. Listen, sometimes persistence pays off. Now I don't know that you're gonna go to that degree, but we should, in our prayer life, we should not be afraid to keep asking. That's how we need to approach our prayer lives. Don't be afraid to continue to ask God. Keep on praying. We should, we should continue in that. If God has not given us a clear no, let's remember, hey, if we're not dead, God's not done. So we keep praying. We keep asking for the Lord to move. When you keep asking, church, when you keep asking God, when you keep petitioning him in your prayer life, it shows, it actually does show that you trust God because you're believing that whether it's in that moment or whether it is in moments to come, God is gonna answer the prayers that you're praying. So don't be afraid, and you're gonna see before we get done today that the Bible teaches the power of being a persistent prayer. But, it does matter how and why you pray those prayers. It does matter what you're praying for. That's critical. We should be praying for what it is that God wants done. We should be praying for God's will and his way in our lives, in our church, in our community, in our world. Look, I've still got some open-ended prayers out there. And by open-ended, I mean God hasn't seemingly answered them yet. I've got some open-ended prayers out there for me, for our church, for our community, and our world. But I am 100% confident that God is going to answer those prayers. 100% confident. And one of the reasons I'm so highly confident is because over my life, I've seen God continually answer prayer. And I've seen him answer, not always in the ways that I thought he should or would or even could, but I've seen him answer those prayers nonetheless. So I trust the Lord 
even when it's hard, the how and the why of our persistent prayer matters. So I want you to understand that. But I've given you kind of three big ideas, as I do frequently, for us to think about and think, you know, kind of focus on in our head around this idea as we wrap up this series. We've been trying to grow our prayer lives, come out of this stronger, come out of this better as a church, come out of this in a better place spiritually uh, for us individually. But we, we just talked about it, and this is the first big idea. We need a prayer that trusts. It's that prayer of Job that even when suffering comes, like the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. But blessed be the name of the Lord. Like I trust the Lord no matter what happens. And I have to understand that God can and will answer my prayers in ways that I cannot fully understand. It is the height of hubris to think that you're going to fully understand all of God's plan. Especially in the context of like, God, why have you not answered this prayer the way I wanted you to? Well, because he's working on something bigger that you cannot always see and understand. And that is a powerful truth we must remind ourselves in our prayer life. Look, I've had to have really difficult conversations with a lot of people through these 20, almost five years-ish of ministry. And I've had to have one recently with a family that we've been covering in prayer, the Johnson family. We've been lifting up John Johnson. Before that, we were lifting up Jack Johnson, the son, John, the dad. John is my age, and he has been in the hospital now recovering, attempting to recover from COVID for almost three weeks on a ventilator for uh, most of that time. And I've had to have this conversation and with Wendy, his wife, as I have with many other people in my ministry and in these years that God has allowed me to, to say, look, we're praying for what it is we want. What we want is for our friend to get better. What we want is for our friend to recover. In this life, on this earth, in the here and now. That's what we want. But what we have to do and what we have to pray is that the Lord's will be done in every way. And in her great spiritual maturity, she understands that. We don't always want to hear that. I know I wouldn't want to always hear it. But it's something that we should remind ourselves of. And here's the good news, Christians. Here's the beautiful thing that I've been able to say to that family and to many families. Because John is already a Christian, he's already been healed. He's already won. God's already answered our prayer, no matter what. Because in the eternal, in the time that's going to matter ultimately to us, you, fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, you're already healed. Jesus has made a way for you where you had no way. When you were dead in your sin, Christ died for you. When you were ultimately lost and condemned, Jesus died for you. So he has already rescued you. He has already answered those prayers. But yes, it is okay to keep praying for what it is we want in the here and now. To ask for God's victory in this life. 
while simultaneously trusting him that victory has already been attained in the next. It's a hard place to get to spiritually some days, but it's something that I'm here to remind you of this morning. Listen to this text, John 14, 13 and 14. This is just a reminder from Jesus we need to hear in the context of today's message. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask for anything in my name, and I will do it. So ask, so pray, so bring it to Jesus. He's saying, I've got it. I will take care of it. I care for you. I love you. You can count on me to provide what it is you really need. Not always what you want, but what you really need. But it's critical that you ask. The great writer, Pastor Henry Nouwen, he said the paradox of prayer is that it asks for a serious effort while it can only be received as a gift. We cannot plan, organize, or manipulate God. But without a careful discipline, we cannot receive him either. So you're not manipulating God in your prayer life. You are through the discipline of prayer, petitioning him for that which it is that you desire that is in keeping with his will. Yes, you have a part to play in bringing about God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's a responsibility that's been left to you. Now, God's ultimate will is going to be played out no matter what you do. But, Your prayer does matter. Your prayer does move God. Do I understand exactly how that works? Of course I don't. I just told you, it'd be the height of hubris for me to say, I got all that figured out. But what I do know, what I do believe is that I, we get to play a part in that. God's listening. He's moving. He hears us and it matters. So we have to pray prayers that show we trust him. Look at Matthew 7, 7 through 11. Jesus again says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or what person is there among you who when his son asks for a loaf of bread will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, He will not give him a snake, will he? So if you, despite being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Will you remember in your prayer life, a prayer life that trusts God, God knows better than you do. God's plan is better than your plan. God's will is better than your will. I know We want what we want. We can't help it. It's our human nature. But in the same way that you as a loving parent or grandparent know how to provide that which it is your kids or your grandkids really need versus necessarily what they want, Jesus is literally saying in this, if you who are wicked, if you who are evil, know how to not give your kid stones when they ask for bread, 
or pass off a snake to them when they have something they need? How much more so am I going to get this right than you? Y'all, my kids would eat nothing but ice cream three meals a day. They would. Like if, if I didn't have a part to play in it, if Abby didn't have a part to play in it, or they could choose that, that's what they would choose. But you know, I know, we know, that's not the right thing for them. That's not what's best for them. So we're going to do better by them. The reality is, though, let's just be real. Look, the, the reality is God does not say yes to every one of our prayers. God will answer your prayers, and sometimes he'll answer you by saying no. Sometimes he'll answer you by saying not yet, which I'll remind you is another critical reason why it's important that we continue to pray. But when you understand this in the grand context of God's way, his plan, his ultimate will that he's working out is better for me than what I think is better for me. It changes how you see everything. I, I believe that. I know this to be true because I've seen it in my own life. Even when I knew, I knew I had it all figured out. I knew I had a better plan. Some of y'all know this, some of you don't. When I was 20 years old, I was engaged to a woman that is not my wife. I was, at, I was in Roanoke Bible College that we affectionately entitled Roanoke Bridal College because that's where all of we would-be pastors went to meet our wives, right? I mean, that's just how it kind of worked out. So there I was at the ripe old age of 20 years old, and all of my closest friends, I kid you not, they were all married or getting married already because that's just the way it went down. So here I am scratching my head, praying my prayers, petitioning the Lord, Lord, why am I so long suffering? <laughs> At 20 years old, God, why is this so tough to find somebody? And so I, I met a girl there at, at Roanoke Bridal College. And I said, this has got to be the girl for me. Because all my other friends have found him. She seems like she'll work. So we got engaged. And then we fought like cats and dogs. I mean, we fought all the time. I don't really fight with anybody, but somehow we just butted heads all the time. And so I kept praying to the Lord, Lord, can't you just make her stop fighting with me so we could get married, right? Like, Lord, aren't you going to fix her so that we can get married? Because I know that's got to be what you want for me. Why do I know that? Well, because it's what I want. But you see, the Lord taught me in that moment, in those days, in those years, a lesson that I've then been able to apply to my life, the rest of my life, just like everyone else in this room has had these exact same kinds of things in your own life where you've been able to look back at them and see, wow, thank you, Lord, for not giving me what I thought I wanted, right? And I have been so unbelievably blessed with the best wife in the world that has been a blessing to me and my, my kids and church, and I could go on and on. She's a gift. But I had to wait on the Lord. I had to keep praying, though. You know that I didn't stop praying 
about who the Lord meant for me. I kept praying, but I had to wait on what the Lord was doing rather than try to force what it was that I wanted. You could all tell these same kinds of stories about your own lives, every single one of you in here. And the truth of the matter is we all have these stories of seemingly unanswered prayers, prayers for healing, reconciliation of relationships, financial needs, wayward children. I could go on and on. But here's the deal. We have to believe deep down in our core that, Lord, I know and I believe that what you're doing is better than what I think I want. And one of the reasons I know it to be true is because if I really think about my life, I've seen that play out in a number of ways if I take the time to count them, if I take the time to look at them. So Lord, will you help me remember that when I need to trust you, especially when I'm trying to trust you when it seems like you're not answering my prayers. God's plan is better than your plan. It just is. It always will be. But let our persistent prayer be a prayer that trusts his will no matter what. Whether it is an answer to prayer, an answer to our prayer in this life, in eternity, or somewhere in between as we wait on his timing. But don't quit. And that's where the second big idea is. Just, just have a prayer that perseveres. Listen to Hebrews 10, 36. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. God has a plan for you, but you have to trust him. You have to let him work that out. Remember what he said in Matthew 7, ask, seek, and knock. Remember what he taught us by saying, look, if you can get this right, how much more will I get this right? But that requires a level of perseverance and belief that says, God, I know you are good. I know you are for me and not against me. So I will trust you no matter what comes. I will know and believe that if I will be persistent in a prayer that is built around what your will is, that I'll see it done in my life. Look, that's, <laughs> that's not a great idea that I came up with. That, that idea is not original to me. It's literally what Jesus tells us. Look in Luke's gospel, Luke 18, 1 through 8, and he tells this story of an unrighteous judge. Much in the same way of the story that we shared from the gospel where it gets us to think about who we are as parents and how, hey, if we can get the basics right, remember, then how much more so will our Father in heaven get it right? This is a similar thought process, but kind of a totally different story to make the same point. Luke 18, 1 through 8. This is the New American Standard version of this. It says, now he was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray. How many times should we pray? At all times. Be persistent and not become discouraged. Saying, in a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect any person. This is a bad dude. He's a bad judge. Now there was a widow in that city and she kept coming to him saying, give me justice against my opponent. For a while, he was unwilling. 
But later he said to himself, even though I do not fear God nor respect any person, yet because this widow is bothering me, I will give her justice. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. And the Lord said, listen to what the unrighteous judge said. Now will God not bring about justice for his elect who cry out to him day and night? Let me paraphrase that. Will God not bring justice to those who wear him out in prayer? It's the same idea. Cry out to him day and night. Wear him out in prayer like the widow did to the unrighteous judge. Listen. And the Lord said, listen to what the unrighteous judge said. Now will God not bring about justice for his elect who cry out to him day and night? And will he delay long for them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Let's backtrack there a little bit. Look at that one more time, the last part of that. Because this is where you really need to understand this scripture to put it in the context of your own prayer life. And listen to me now. Your own frustrations with your prayer life. Because I know you've got them. We've all got them. We've all got prayers that were like, Lord, where are you on this? But think about what this text is saying. Will God not bring about justice for his elect, those people that are saved that know him, who cry out to him day and night, who are persistent in our prayer, it's saying. And will he delay long for them? Well, the answer to that is no. The delay won't be long. He says, I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. How quickly is quickly? I don't know. But the Lord knows. Quickly, in your opinion? Not always. You may feel long-suffering. But here's what I can guarantee you. Guarantee you. Beyond any doubt at all in my mind. When you are with the Lord in heaven in eternity, you will recognize and believe that the Lord moved quickly. In every way, you will believe, Lord, you moved quickly. Because you will see an eternity, you will be a part of experiencing an eternity that stretches out for you forever. And it will make everything that you have experienced or waited on in this life seem quick so the reminder for you and me is to remind ourselves of the temporary nature of this life that we are not home yet that there is more than what we see right now and what the Lord says here, listen, do you see the last part of this verse? When Jesus returns, he says, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Or will we have lost our faith? Because we got mad or frustrated that God didn't answer some prayer the way we thought he should in a timely fashion that fitted 
our sense of time rather than his own. Our desires instead of his. If a non-God-fearing, people-hating judge would eventually move and his actions result in mercy, how much more so will the God that we persist towards in prayer bring justice, peace, and reconciliation into our lives and our world? I believe that he will. But we have to wait on him. And that's the final piece of this. We have to have a prayer life that overcomes the flesh. Your flesh produces really two Ds in you, and it's this, doubt and desire. The doubt of your flesh that says, I prayed about this and then it wasn't answered exactly the way I thought it was. See, where is God? So now I'm doubting him and now my faith is weakened and now my prayer life gets weakened and it's a whole terrible cyclical cycle. So doubt creeps in because of my flesh. But also desire. And desire is a problem when it comes to our flesh because we desire, as I said earlier, what it is we want. And frequently what we want is not in alignment with what God wants. That is not original to us. The Bible makes it clear that these desires of the flesh have been happening across all generations of believers. Stephen, in the book of Acts, he says in Acts 7.51, says, you stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit, as your fathers did, so do you. Generation after generation after generation, we resist the Holy Spirit's movements in our lives because our flesh desires what our flesh desires. And sometimes we just feel like we cannot help ourselves. We are like kids in a candy store or kids in a toy store. You remember that feeling when you were younger? How badly you wanted that piece of candy when you went to the store with your mom or how badly you wanted that toy and you just thought, if I could just have this one toy, mom, if you just give me this one thing, I'll be happy. You, I mean, we've all felt that. And then when they wouldn't do it, you just say, oh, they're the worst parents in the whole world. Bobby's parents buy him all the toys. I don't get anything I want. But then occasionally, hey, occasionally, mom or dad, they buy it for you. Wow. All your heart's desires have come true. And then you get it home and you play with it for about 30 minutes. And it's on to the next thing. The newest heart's desire. You, you would think, just saying, you'd think we'd learn some lessons by now about the desires of our flesh. But here we are, still as adults, chasing after the same kinds of things for the same kinds of reasons. So the Lord's working on us, me, you, all of us. And I believe that in his infinite mercy, in his infinite mercy, he gives us time right now in this age of grace to get ourselves aligned 
with where the Holy Spirit is trying to lead us, with where the Holy Spirit is trying to take us, to shape our prayer life around his desires rather than our own. And as we do that, that's where that whole persistence piece kicks in. Seek after that which is after God's own heart, and yes, be persistent in it. Chase after it. We are to persevere in prayer for God's influence in other people's lives and for God's influence in our own lives. And remember, God frequently works gradually rather than all at once. So patience, effort, energy, persistence. Things that matter, look right at me, things that matter are worth pursuing. Things that matter are worth pursuing to their proper end. That which really matters as it relates to that which God is calling us into, calling us towards, leading our spirit to find. Being persistent and pursuing that, man, it makes a difference. Putting in the time, putting in the energy, putting forth the effort in things that matter. I've, uh, I've done a lot of, of funerals through the years now, and I've, I've done a lot of funerals that had a military element. They had a, a part of the military ceremony that many of you all have seen through the years, and they fold the flag, and they present it to the next of kin, the nearest kin that's been designated to receive it. You've seen the process. They fold the flag. Somebody told me today after the first service, and I didn't know this, there's 13 folds. I've seen them folded. I didn't know how many times, and I didn't know that the 13 folds had meaning, but there's 13 of them. 13 times the American flags get, get flag gets folded, and it is an exacting process. If you've ever seen this done, the two military members come, and I've watched them come. When they come, they are perfectly dressed. They are perfectly minding, uh, you know, their P's and Q's. They are right in military lockstep. And they go through these steps perfectly enfolding this flag, something that we'd all agree has meaning and is going to make a difference ultimately, yes, no matter how big or small, in the life of the one that is going to be handed to. So they take great care and honor for the one that's passed that served their country. So I've watched this ceremony a lot, and I've seen a bunch of times where they fold the flag, they get it all ready, and in the end, the person uh, who has been folding on one side will finish tucking it in and it makes that perfect triangle. They check it for its edges and its perfect folds. Then they hand it off to the next person who hugs it tight to their chest and checks every spot. I mean, just a persistence in checking to be sure everything's right. And for the first time ever, I saw something I'd never seen in all these years of doing a military funeral. When the flag had been handed off to this soldier, he checked it. To my eye, it looked perfect, just right. Wow. I mean, they've just done the whole procedure, took a long time, but it, it matters, so they take, you know, take their time, do it really well. 
whatever it was about it, he didn't like it. It wasn't right. So they unfolded the flag. They did the entire thing again. Gets handed to him again. He checks it. Every edge, every crease. This time, as he hugs it to his chest, it's perfect. And he hands it off to the next account. And I couldn't help but think about, while our prayer life will never be perfect, it'll be far from perfect. There was a persistence in something that mattered. When something really matters, we take it all the way. We carry it out to its end. Your continual prayer, church, helps bring about the things of this world to their proper end in the way that God ultimately wants them. We've been talking about through this whole series in prayer, this beautiful journey that we are on in our lives, in our prayer lives. Your prayer life is a sacred journey of becoming who you are meant to be in Christ. That's your prayer life. A beautiful, sacred journey of becoming who you're meant to be in Jesus. And continual prayer helps bring this about. Remember, at the heart of all of this, my friends, is Jesus who died for you because he loves you, because you are valued, and because he wants what is best for you. So as you pray, no matter how long it takes, be persistent. Pray the Lord's will, but trust his will to be done and know that he's got you. Ask, seek, knock, and trust. Will you pray with me?